1: I'm really good
0: at basketball for a puppet.
1: What just happened? I drank your milkshake. What's up with those shorts? It's either super good or super bad. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. How is your core? I feel like I got a good core workout today. Very- very kept the core tight through the entire workout. I mean, game. Hello from the Dia Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unreasonable Down, podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Episode 13 Texas. Lucky number 13, am I right? Oh, this one hurt. West Virginia was up five against the fourth-ranked team in the country with two minutes left and didn't win. Why? Because Texas scored the last seven, including a wide-open three with less than two seconds left. The guy who made that three has battled leukemia. So as mad as you want to be at the end when you see a guy who's beat cancer... And has fought cancer. When he makes the go-ahead three, it's hard to get that upset. And they win by two. And so, when I got super excited the last game that they won that game, West Virginia came back from 19 down and beat Oklahoma State. And talked about how important that win was just in general. It's because of a game like this. When you lose to the fourth-ranked team in the country, you want to win at home. You want to win all your games at home. Texas is really good. And so when you look, yes, West Virginia has now lost four games. But doggone it, they might be the best four-loss team in the country. (laughs) I mean, look at their losses at Oklahoma. And the other three... And they could have won that game. They tied it multiple times after being down 18. And then their other three losses are to Gonzaga, who looks like the Terminator, Kansas at home, which the only team that's made Kansas look dumb at home is the team that just beat West Virginia, Texas, and Texas. So all those were top five teams. So let's keep things in perspective. Yeah, it's not great to have four losses when the expectations going into this season were very high. And they still can be high. But what happened to today? I mean, it's, it's not just one thing, right? You can't point to one thing. In the moment, you point to Culver and Matthews when West Virginia was up five. Missing three free throws in those last two minutes. That's obviously a point. Matthews has been excellent from the line. So with him at the line, West Virginia up one, that's a good spot to be in. You know, people on Twitter, the Twitter coaches was like, hey, you he should have passed it out. Yeah, he should have passed it out. But he probably shouldn't have got the offensive rebound against an athletic Texas team. And he probably shouldn't have got two of them in the same possession. So in the what he should have done, to me, there's things he shouldn't have done that he did do that were positive. But he misses the free throws in in a spot where when he if he makes those two, the worst that can happen is you go to overtime and you can still lose. But it's not like if he makes one or both of those free throws, that West Virginia is free and clear, right? But you can point to those missed free throws. You can point to overall poor shooting in the second half. You know, I talked about those three losses to top five teams. West Virginia was up at the half against all three of those teams. And I don't know what that means. I I don't want to be conditioned to feel good that West Virginia is losing at halftime. (laughs) (laughs) So three of their four losses, three of the games they were up in the half. The other game, they were down 18. But West Virginia shoots 50% in the first half of this game, end up under 40% for the entire game. They didn't make shots in the second half. Point to Texas's good defense. But also, West Virginia got open shots in the second half, and they just didn't go down. And it wasn't one person. Second half Taz, not second half Taz today. Missed a number of shots in the second half. Culver, who finished with another double double, he missed a handful of shots he's been making lately. So he's playing hard. He's playing more minutes than what he was with the absence of uh, the two guys that left after Northeastern for different reasons. He's playing a lot more minutes. And I don't know if it's tired. Huggins is talking about he's banged up. I thought, hey, why is he pulling down rebounds with one arm? And it may be because his other shoulder is banged up. So Culver and Taz missed shots in the second half, among other guys. The defense. So many dunks and layups given up. And it wasn't just the second half. It was the entire game. I stopped keeping track early in the game, but Texas's first six made baskets were layups and dunks. And a lot of them was this is the blueprint over the last few years against WVU. You spread the court out, somebody takes another, uh, takes a West Virginia defender one on one, and they get to the basket and they make a layup. It's sometimes a contested layup, sometimes not a contested layup. And Texas had success with getting to the rim. And yet West Virginia still could have won this game. Kedrian, who sparked the Oklahoma State comeback. He was one of the guys who's had the flu on the team. Huggins called his shot in his Friday press conference. Like, we got guys banged up. A couple of guys have the flu. But he's not going to say specifically who has the flu. So it's kind of a where's Waldo game. Like who's got the flu that's playing for West Virginia. My, It was said in the postgame comments that Kedrian was battling the flu. And it showed he only had six minutes. Could not make the same impact he had in the Oklahoma State game. And I would guess Gabe was the other guy who had the flu. Or at least he played like he had the flu. I mean as as strong as Gabe came out of the gate, the last few games for Gabe, barring the Oklahoma State defense in the second half, like you can't even point to you know Gabe is a guy where the stat line doesn't tell the story of his impact. The stat line totally told the story for Gabe today. He wasn't effective, wasn't very good, and when you're two big guys down. And you can't contribute, and maybe he was sick. I, I'm I'm speculating on him being the second guy who had the flu. Then you've just then you just got culver going hard. And still they they were up five late, up one before the last possession. You know, on the positive side, aggressive Emmett Matthews. I've liked what I've seen the last few games from Emmett Matthews. The stats aren't; show, it's not like he's shooting lights out, but he's moving, he's aggressive. Again, point to that late sequence where he got two offensive rebounds. You know, he had eight rebounds in this game, playing a lot of four. He, I mean, he almost had a double double, but what will be remembered from this game is missing those two late free throws. But again, he was shooting those free throws because of his hustle. So it's always great to see an a aggressive Emmett Matthews appearance. West Virginia made five more threes than Texas. They out-rebounded Texas. They cleaned up the turnovers. West Virginia had a lot of turnovers in the first half, cleaned that up in the second half. So West Virginia led against the number four team in the country for most of this game. Texas would make a run when West Virginia would have a lead. And for every time except one, West Virginia was able to push the lead back out. And if you could say, how did they lose that game today? It's probably in the moments where they're up six, they're up eight. They make a stop, they come down, have a wide open shot or a good shot, something that West Virginia would want. And in Oklahoma State game, it goes in. And in this game, West Virginia can't make The shots that they need to so except for those last two minutes West Virginia played a very respectable game they had a good first half which is a nice change of pace and so where does that leave the Mountaineers unfortunately they (laughs) they play Baylor next which is not great after that they get four of the next five games at home They'll most likely be a favorite in all five of those games. Yes, they have four losses, but I believe this team is an NCAA tournament team. This is not 2018-19. I haven't heard anybody say that yet. Like, hey, man. We had injuries that year. We had people leave the team during the season. It's, It's happening again, Josh. I'm not getting that yet. I'm expecting that. But I do believe this is a really good team. And let's all agree that the expectations for this team can change because of a season-ending injury and a guy leaving for personal reasons. But this is still a good team. I believe an NCAA tournament team. And they can get better. If this is if these are the guys that we're going with moving forward, and everybody barring flu and and quote unquote bang dump, they figure out how to play with this group of guys, and I think they can. And we've got a really good coach. Let's let's keep things in perspective. The loss there's no terrible losses. I think Huggins said that specifically today. We haven't lost the chumps in his. <laughs> In his terminology. So this is a good team that can still get better. It it doesn't make it hurt less today. That that was a rough one to lose. But my core feels fantastic. Random thoughts coming up. Dire Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. Dire Prime, you know what they do. They do designs. They're a full-service graphic shop. They're veteran-owned. They're family-owned. You need a design for whatever. They'll help you create that design, put that design on a T-shirt, on a Frisbee. Over one million different promotional products you can put your design on. And Dyer Prime can help you with that. Do not confuse Dyer Prime with... There's this company out here, and they sound very similar. And if I was this company, I would change their name. But their name is Dyer Slime. And Dire Slime is a full service slime shop. And they got borax and glue and sprinkles and glitter. Do not confuse this group. And they're and they're fine folks. But I think they're trying to piggyback off of the success of Dire Prime. So I'm not promoting them. I'm promoting Dire Prime. You should talk to them. And you can call or text them to find out more. 304 767 4445 Find them on the internet at d y e r p r i m e D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E.com, or find them on Facebook or Instagram at dire Prime. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. I've been informed recently <laughs> of a bad habit that I have using the English language. You ever get called out by a close one like, hey, do you know that you're saying that and what that actually means? <laughs> and this is not going to get sideways here. This is this is tame compared to things that are being said in public discourse, especially on the Internet. Here's the one that I got called out for. I use the phrase, that's okay. I use that. And I'm not telling people to not use that uh, phrase but I'm using it as a synonym for no. Like when I say, "ah, oh, that's okay, that means no. But what? look at the phrase, that's okay, without reflection and tone in the voice. When you read that's okay, what in the world does that mean? It could mean anything. And most likely, especially if you read it, it doesn't mean no. That's okay. It's not, it's not, it's the, it's one of the most tepid. <laughs> it's one of the most means nothing phrases that one person could say. And yet I'm using it as a definitive No. And I've got to stop and I'll give the examples here. So and it happens mostly when I'm purchasing something at a store, at a fast food restaurant. I'll set it up. Sir, would you like your receipt? Oh, that's OK. So if I give that person a that's OK, then what are they supposed to do? Unless I'm actually visibly shaking my head no, and they can see that I'm shaking my head no, which means no. But if I'm I just say oh, that's okay, then they should hundred percent give me the receipt because I'm okay with that. <laughs> and it's a mixed bag. You know, sometimes I get like the receipt is like being like slowly drifted towards me when I hit them with the that's okay but then they see like me recoiling and then they figure out that I actually do not want the receipt, but what they get is that's okay. Would you like to join our rewards program? Oh, that's okay. What? (laughs) I mean, that could be processes. Absolutely sign this guy up for the rewards program. In my mind, it's a definitive 100% no. What comes out of my mouth is, that's okay. It means nothing. Would you like any sauces or ketchups or anything? Oh, that's okay. I mean, what? why am I hesitating or not just saying no thank you? Like, that's the phrase. No, which means absolutely not. Thank you, which means I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. It's just I I thank you for asking. I don't. The answer is no. So no thank you should take the place of that's okay. Can I get you anything else? Oh, that's okay. What? (laughs) Am I the only one that's, that's using this? If not, you're not alone, but also let's share in how to do this the the answer is no and if you want to soften it you can do a no thank you but don't say <laughs> don't say that's okay even if you're saying yes it's just so te- okay is so tepid okay is the Rank us one through five. Okay is the three. Okay? Which means it's not leaning yes or no. So I'm telling you, I'm actually looking in a mirror Stuart Stuart Smalley style here, and I'm saying, hey, hey, you, stop saying that's okay. You're only confusing people. Say what you really want to say, which is no. Thank you. Final thoughts coming up. (laughs) Unreasonable doubt is on the social media. On Instagram at UnreasonableDoubtWV. On Twitter at I'm Josh Witt. On Facebook, go to that search bar thing and type in Unreasonable Doubt. Do it. Interact with the show. would you like to see west virginia win a national championship in your lifetime that's okay final thoughts for this episode of unreasonable doubt i don't want to scare anybody but the next game for wvu it's going to be a challenge it's tuesday 9 p.m. west virginia hops on a plane goes to waco texas the game will be on espn 2 And they play number two Baylor. You're like, hey, number two in the country. At least there's one team better than them, right? I would argue Baylor might be the best team. And this could have been played out on a basketball court. But pandemic, Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play. They didn't. So that's a TBD. Like, I think we're going to find out at some point which of these two teams is the best team in the country. Again, not to scare you. Listen, games start 0-0, zero, zero, okay? One team can be better than the other. You start at 0-0, zero, zero, and you see what happens. And upsets happen every day, right? Not very often when it's, a, when it's a road game. You don't usually, if you're number one or number two, you rarely lose at home. Again, not to scare you, Baylor. If you haven't seen Baylor, they brought pretty much everybody back from last season. And yes, West Virginia beat Baylor in the season finale. But Baylor didn't have one of their star guards. Baylor has won their 11-0. Baylor has won all 11 games by double digits. <laughs> okay? Which is... In this day and age, that's something. They lead the country in three-point shooting percentage. Like, not the Big 12. The entire nation. Six guys on Baylor's team are shooting over 40% from three. So, you're concerned about West Virginia's three-point defense? These guys are the best in the in the country. And West Virginia's played Gonzaga. These guys are number one in three-point shooting. They're fourth in the country in assists per game. Fourth in the country. They're 14th in steals. (laughs) So they're like top of the heap in all these different categories. They rarely turn the ball over. Really good at holding on to the ball. Butler is a National Player of the Year candidate. Uh, Mark Vidal, he's 6'5. I would argue he's a defensive player of the year candidate. He's one of the he's in the Marcus Garrett. How many years of eligibility does this guy have? And that guy's tough as nails. Mark Vidal. I think that's his name, Mark. They are top five in both offense and defense in Ken Palm ratings. You know, Gonzaga. Very good top, I think number one in offense. They're not top five in defense. They'll give up 90-some points. Baylor doesn't really do that. West Virginia will 100% be the underdog in this game. Now, you know, the good news is Baylor, you know, it's actually good news that Baylor didn't lose the day at TCU. They were down at the half and then wiped the floor with them in the second half. But the perfect storm to say there's no way West Virginia is going to win is if Baylor loses today and then they're bouncing back from a loss. So that's actually good news. It's possible that Baylor can have an off game. It doesn't seem like they've had one yet. Maybe the flu guys for WVU will be healthier after a few more days. Maybe Baylor will overlook WVU. They've got two tough games after WBU. But I don't know if that's going to happen because, again, the last time West Virginia and Baylor played, West Virginia won. The fans stormed the court, etc. So they might want to get some revenge from that loss. All I'm looking for in this game, I'm not expecting a win. This is a house money game. The expectation is West Virginia is going to lose. It'd be great if this game was close uh, for a good part of this game. But that's what West Virginia is up against. And it gets... I'm putting this in air quotes. It gets easier from here for the next few games for WVU. This one's a challenge. We'll see what happens. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms. or just pick one. Apple. Spotify. Google Podcast overcast tune in gas box wherever you listen subscribe that helps me if you actually want to listen to this podcast that helps you if you subscribe that means it'll automatically download to your device helps you helps me subscribe to the podcast until next time i'm josh with this has been unreasonable doubt wvu for the 2020 2021 season they're nine and four